Hey guys, welcome to Cafe Booleans this week. Uh, unfortunately, we had some audio issues this week. So the recording you're hearing is the backup recording, which is a little harder to fix the audio of. Uh, but we ultimately decided that so that you could hear our conversation with our special guests, it was worth putting out this episode anyway. So apologies about the audio, but we hope you enjoy the content. Cheers. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is like Bird Box. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't seen that. Is that the Sandra Bullock one? It's a uh, yeah, Sandra yeah. Bullock walking through the woods with a blindfold on. Is it? I haven't actually watched it. I feel Sandra like the Bullock? premise. Yeah, Sandra Bullock and some kids. I feel like the premise was way better than the delivery. Like, <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it with Emily Blunt, or is that a different movie? No, that's the sound bad. one. Oh, that's some. One. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Quiet, quiet, quiet place. Quiet place. Like, Custis in the quiet place. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. All right. So we got we got visuals. We got sound. So we've got like what three more senses that you can make movies out of. Yeah. So there's one called like the touchy place where it's they actually feel everything. That sounds really inappropriate. That film. Like, <laughs> touchy place. Well, only if you put it that way, Susie. Got, Actually, um, that's pretty much that cell. The cell. Remember that movie with um, Kingpin Man? <laughs> that's the touchy place. That's <laughs> oh, Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Willy Wonka um, is the taste one. Oh yeah, there you go. Mm. Yeah, we're we're obviously <laughs> discussing games coming out next week here at Cafe Bullions. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm John. Hello. I'm joined by <laughs> Costa, Susie, Alex, and possibly a few more coming in this episode. Thank you for joining us again. It's good to be back. My voice is sort of returned, mostly. Um, have a voice that but belongs. Good to you. have you back. Yeah. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Um, but rather than talking myself, I'm going to hand over to Susie, actually. She's got our first article. What are you talking about, Susie? Hey, everyone. Um, well, big news, like really big news. Um, I think huge, huge, huge news for indie dev um, stuff this this fortnight is that uh, Melbourne developer Lumi Interactive has secured a massive $9.76 million in venture capital seed funding, um, which is the largest to date for any woman-led studio in Australia. Um, and it says that the seed round was led with investments from a bunch of companies, um, OneUp Ventures, Galileo Ventures, Eric Swiffertz. Heracles? Is that like meant to be Heracles, Costa, <laughs> instead of Hercules? Like, sure. I assume you know because it's a business Heracles. thing. Heracles? I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was like, like a Greek thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, uh, oh, my God, Greek. I'm just being racist. <laughs> no, it is. No, it is. It's, it's from Greek it's mythology. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the I Greek version okay. of Her Hercules. Hercules <laughs> was the Roman. <laughs> Oh, so, there you go. Costa was the right person. <laughs> nice. <laughs> See, I totally knew that. Yeah. <laughs> and Double Loop Game CEO Emily Greer. Um, the funding is string-free too, so this, they can basically keep making their game completely funded, exactly how they're making it. Um, and the reason that it's so awesome, I think, is because the game that they're working on is really unique and cool. It's mm. called Kinder World, and it's all about... Um, raising and caring for our houseplants and basically like this real kind of zen approach to to caring and cultivating mindfulness um and the company is like pretty awesome like they've got 
says they really focus on the concept of crowd healing. Um, and they have a full-time well-being researcher on staff, like, to make sure oh, everybody's... Awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, the co-founder of, of Lumi Interactive, um, Lauren Clinic, she used to uh, run like, Lumi when it was, like, marketing-type company. Um, and I shared a taxi with her once, and she was very cool. So oh, wow. I think we can wow. say that the company's in good hands. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the... Yeah, I was mm-hmm. looking at the the people who put the the money in the ventures, and they all seem to be like they seem to back companies that are like game companies that are doing something innovative or mm. around social. That's um, so things. cool. Like play but like the world. even like I looked at the the companies like the website, and they've got like yeah. job ads, and even their job ads are like like really really self focused. Like 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 yeah. they talk about how. You know, like you can, like what our salary will be, and that we, you know, we're really, really wanting to create this like kind of comfortable, like safe environment for everybody to work, and and you know, you're in charge. We believe in your ability to make independent decisions, and we'll empower you. And you know, we've got real mental well-being, and like this, this real kind of seems like this mm. real focus on like fighting back against crunch, and just you know, really kind of what we need right like more of mm. like yeah it's so cool to see something like that funded like you know yeah. one thing i find interesting is how in the article it talks about how uh so the funding's also remarkably string free and they say no crypto bs attached um a16z <laughs> which is who led the funding that's uh Andreessen horowitz who are some of the biggest funders in crypto <laughs> Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, Do you think it's a diversification thing? I was like, literally about to say that. Possibly. The yeah. portfolio. I think it mm. is. I mean, they, they, just like John said, they invest in like uh, VHS, which is that Melbourne studio that does the, the horse racing game. Uh, Yield Guild, which is another crypto one. Sky Mavis, another, that's Axie Infinity, which is one of the biggest crypto games. So yeah, they also have investments in Roblox though, and a couple of other things that aren't crypto, but... Yeah, a lot yeah. of their recent stuff has been crypto. That's uh, and because I think it was Andreessen is oh, was it Marcus Andreessen or Mark Andreessen? He was one of the guys that essentially invented uh, Netscape Navigator or like the precursor <laughs> wow. to that back in the early <laughs> days of the internet. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess they've been around and they've seen tech in all forms. So hopefully they're appreciating this, which it sounds like they are. Yeah, it's awesome. That's so cool. I love. I just like. I love the idea that like you. You can get funded like that just like from mm. companies like Venture Capitals just to keep making the game that you're already making. Yeah. Like how good yeah. is that? When we had a um we had a sit in with uh Jason De La Roca um a few years ago when we were Melonhead and they were saying like what kind of companies venture capital firms look for as far as game companies and they don't look for Traditionally, they don't look for premium games, as in like you buy it once and that's done. They they're more interested in funding um, like ongoing subscription games or free to play games that have some kind of tie into it. I guess because they're putting so much money in, they would expect so much back. So I wonder if one, if that's true, and two, if um, if that kind of dictates how this this game will go, because they're now tied up with one, two, three, four different venture capitals. Or if they're just like, no, nah, we trust you, like because as it says, it has a cult following on TikTok, so they might just trust them to be like, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, 
There must have seen something see really u- unique that, you know, isn't out there at the mm. moment. And oh, what, there probably is a lot of push on serious games now and, like, different kind of games, games being used for different purposes and especially having, like, a PhD researcher on board that is just yeah. purely looking at, like, well-being. That's, you know, that's that's huge, mm. I think, yeah, so yeah. For, for serious I, games. I, I wonder if the success of a game like Unpacking helps contribute as well. Oh, that that was point. recently, you know, it won sure. the awards and everything, and so everyone kind of recognizes that yeah. kind of mind, mindful games kind of thing. You, I wonder how know. much of it was uh, influenced by COVID, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, all yeah. of the, that kind of stuff, the well-being and, yeah, the more f- the focus on that. That's actually yeah. a really good point about, like, games being made that kind of react to the world that we're in at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a cultural item, isn't it? Like a cultural artifact. Like, you know how, like, Mm. comics, like, comics are written about, like, the time, like, the politics and what's going on and, like, you know, they, like, you know, a Captain America character comes out of a war and things like that. So they're all, like, metaphors. Like, games are cultural artifacts too, right? So, like, in whatever many years, they'll look back and they'll research and they'll be like, oh, and then they have all those mindfulness games because they had COVID, right? Like, <laughs> remember that like, year everyone played Animal Crossing, like... Yeah, <laughs> when the archaeologists are uncovering the ruins of Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> you can already do uh, that. Yes. This was uh, a PlayStation controller. <laughs> yeah. They used this to fight each other. <laughs> even even it's saying that the game has built a cult following on TikTok would even say that, like, you know, it's short-form content it's it, archaeologists could say you know we were stressed out and we didn't have a big attention span when it came to 2022 yeah it's that quick form uh you know like could an older game work today like that had a drawn out well i mean it could, yeah it could work but like not on tiktok or something like that like you need some kind of quick hook mm. yeah it's the shorter play it's like the habits of shorter play sessions and that kind of stuff yeah all culminating yeah from which, what we do which is today. perhaps why it's worked well on tiktok then because it's yeah. kind of already the audience of people who are kind of used to that bite size yeah. engagement even lo- yeah even looking at the screenshots it's just like super optimized for like as in the, the ui and stuff looks really nice and it looks um really like you know suited to the phone like vertical all the environments are kind of oh, vertical yeah. and everything's like in that kind of way so it's who, looks pretty good costa who was the artist that was working with you on your game? The 2D artist? Uh, Crystal. Is that Luna? Crystal. And Luna. And Luna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the art style kind of looks like that a little bit. Yeah. It reminds me of that, that kind of stuff. And that was something that yeah. we were kind of focusing on, like, back then. We were looking at that concept of, like, uh, planting, actually, as a way of uh, showing your emotions and seeing how they... Um, like having a unique tree that builds on your emotions and how your emotions are day to day. I thought that would be a cool concept. And it, it tends to be, I have seen a lot of, um, I'm not taking away from this, but I've seen concepts like this where it's always, there's always a, a tie between um, planting as a, as a way of, uh, of mindfulness and expressing, uh, yeah, mindfulness. I don't know why it's, it's, it's maybe it's because it's a thing that people do. Like they, it's a very um, relaxing mm. hobby that people have. Yeah, growing in yeah your, your roots and your nurturing, and that's and, that, it's coming back to it and that kind of habit. Yeah, that you build. yeah. there's like um when I was at uni, like I did a study abroad thing, like 
and I went to um, Hong Kong and I studied Buddhism there. Um, and there was Sweet. like this 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 venerable monk. He was like the the one that was like teaching us all this stuff. And all of his metaphors always went back to trees and mm. gardens and growing. And like whenever he wanted to illustrate a concept, he'd like get us to go in the garden and he'd say, "Look at this tree. Look at what it's doing." It's and I wonder if that you know that kind of ties back to it, right? Zen. Like, yeah. yeah. And the amount of effort that uh, I think I've read that somewhere as well, where like monks, the amount of effort they put into the the garden that they have, they tend to it every day and the you know the meticulous detail that goes into it and obviously like even down to the you know they're trimming the the little what are they called the little uh, bonsai the trees bonsai. the bonsai trees yeah, yeah you know the little detail that goes into that and just so much effort and um there's a relaxing. there's a lot of meaning behind it as well i think like so i went to japan uh, almost 10 years ago now um and we went to like a zen buddhist temple there and they have one of those Zen gardens, which is basically the sand pit with rocks, mm. and it's like got all the concentric circles raked around it. And our tour guide basically said to the whole tour group, he goes, all right, go out, find a spot, one spot, and count how many rocks there are in the Zen garden. And after like 10 minutes, we all came back. We started giving out answers. And one of us is like, you know, it's 16. And I was like, I counted like 18 or something. I was like... Uh, Oh, I must have seen more. And then someone's like, there's 18. I'm like, yes. And then someone's like, there's 20. I'm like, I don't know where you found those extra two rocks from. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the tour guides, tour guides like, uh, actually, the reason I got you to do this is because the way that these Zen gardens are designed is that you can't see all the rocks from any one position. Mm. And it's meant to be like a teaching tool to show people that like from any one perspective, you can never see the p- full picture. Uh, I thought you were going to say he was like moving the rocks. And he's like, I just want to tell you how at peace you are. Like, who's the first to crack? Yeah, and then he opened this big bag and asked us to throw money in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I See, I, don't, I never got that. Like, um, like, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a meaning I'm missing with this, but the Zen garden thing, right? Like, Costa, you saying with the bonsai tree and stuff like that. It's like, if you're a commitment, of, like if you trim a branch, that's it. <laughs> yeah, if you trim a branch, that's it. You know, like you have you to. You can't turn the page. Yeah, 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 you can't control Z. You know, like raking and stuff like that. Like, how do you how do you finish the rakes? Like, I get anxiety when I watch those videos of them raking the sand because I'm like, ah, oh, that sand's got the the excess sand is going to spill somewhere. Where's it going to stop? You know, like. I can't get through them. I have to turn them off. Oh, dude. You should go watch, uh, I think it's the Tibetan Buddhist monks where they do the, the Mandela artworks, the uh, Mandela, sorry, artworks where it's like really uh, like exquisite circles and like patterns inside each other. And they do it by like shaving these, it looks like pencils, but it's like some kind of like pigment and they shave it for like weeks to build up this picture. It looks amazing. And at the very end of it, they sweep the whole thing off and it just completely destroy it and like the whole teaching behind that is the whole like buddhist nothing lasts forever kind of thing uh, and it's like really beautiful when i'm watching it i'm like man i would be just like having a heart attack <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a good point. what are some other concepts you'd like to see like gamified you know mindfulness anything else that or any other cool ones that anyone's seen I was thinking, once EA makes a game about mindfulness, you know that the fad's over. With microtransactions. <laughs> yeah, microtransactions. Hater. <laughs> you are get get your mindfulness DLC. Yeah, the yeah. game gets more stressful if you don't pay. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be terrible. Get your sin. Yeah. 
Zen is, like, a, Zen is a currency. Pay attention to get your Zen. <laughs> yeah. You're not mindful enough. The screen starts flashing red and like <laughs> shaking. <laughs> the, the next door neighbor's Just kid. relax. <laughs> uh, to answer your question, I, one thing I really appreciate is like interesting social interactions in games. Mm-hmm. So like Journey did that really well. That was a game that was like, you know, showed you a way to kind of socialize in a way that you kind of wouldn't normally mm. in real life with the mm. would, non-verbal communication so would you put uh pokemon going that in that bracket well i didn't really enjoy that game so i don't know <laughs> and i didn't play with anyone else that's yeah. probably, probably why i didn't enjoy it yeah but yeah look that's probably a good example actually yeah um especially actually uh that but also uh was it ingress whatever the precursor was to yeah, pokemon ingress. go where like so the poke the pokey stops were based on like the most popular locations yeah. in Ingress. So mm-hmm. I think that's really cool because it's like community ac- action building the game itself. Mm-hmm. What that's about like tycoons? Of... Like they're yeah. pretty kind of mindful in the sea already, right? Mm. Like my sister plays that zoo one of the zoo tycoons. Like that's like her calming. Like because yeah. she controls that zoo, she's putting everything where she wants. Like. She can slow it down. She can speed it up. She can, like, we, that's that's like a form of mindfulness, right? Like that's more kind yeah. of control stuff. Yeah, probably depends on the on the on the player, but yeah, that's definitely one. I, I play, I love game dev tycoon. I sometimes I get sucked into it, um, <laughs> where you literally make games and stuff. And that, yeah, do you want? There is a level of that being relaxing, I'd say. PC building simulator. No, that's too far. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played it yet, but I've seen uh, Lego Builder's Journey, which is like a little puzzle game, mm. like real minimal graphics, but it's like re- really beautiful. Kind of. But yeah, they're minimal aesthetic, and it's kind of very peaceful, about a father and a son kind of hiking up a mountain. Um, and when you look at it, I mean, the father and the son are literally like three Lego blocks just connected to each other, but somehow they convey it. <laughs> That's oh, wow. cute. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Very cool. What kind of kind of game I'd want to say um I mean they kind of gave up on the music genre like you know like Guitar Hero and stuff like that like they were a thing and it was then, Beat Saber after that that's yeah, true yeah what yeah, about just I like, what about just the little ones like uh, you know interval trainings like for music like doing something better with it than just like is it a fifth or a fourth like, <laughs> yeah. someone That's could do one. something pretty sweet with that, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oof, I don't know. Will yes. Adrian do something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Adrian. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome. I'd say I'm, I'm very embarrassed. I work in IT every day, but it took me a very long time to figure out how to join this thing. Oh, um, uh, <laughs> look, I do the same thing. I also work in IT during the day, and yeah, thank God Costa's here to let us in. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if I can chime in, fitness gamified is something mm. I think is really cool and I'm getting into. Because back in the day, I had one of those Nike Fuel Bands, which are like Fitbits, but I think, I don't know if Fitbit was first, but they had this thing for a little bit called Nike Fuel Missions, and there was like these little mm. avatars and these little um, things that you could do, like try to get as much fuel gained in an hour or whatever. So like I'd sit at my computer, I'd press start, then I'd run outside and go for a run, then come back and see if I'd win or something. So That's I'm cool. Like zombies that. run. Like yeah, little little too. missions like zombies run. Cool. <laughs> you were working on one, weren't you, recently for Pokemon? Like a little... Well, not for Pokemon, probably like a, a bit 
it legally under the hood. It was just for myself. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good thing to announce on live. Fully yeah. Lou, he was working for Adrian was working for the Pokemon company. They just don't know it yet. So <laughs> you have all your own copies at home. We know, don't worry. <laughs> have you have you come across uh, Steppen? No, I haven't. What's that? Uh, it's like a it's a crypto game that came out, and it's just playing. Ooh, on that. Nineteen minutes in, John. That's how long it took to bring up crypto. <laughs> Oh, no, we already brought it up. Crypto! It's a crypto game where you, I think, you, I, don't, I don't actually know how it works, but you buy a sh- you virtual shoes and then you walk around and you earn coins. I don't really know how it works, but. Is that the one with the giant, oh, like, literally ma- pills? Oh, yeah, that we were talking a- about on the other episode. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. But actually, well, I, I think one of the developers from that game is actually in Adelaide. I don't know who it is, but I think one of the main devs of that game is in Adelaide. have to get oh, them yeah. on. Hell yeah. I mean, is it yeah. you? <laughs> I was, I was going to say, <laughs> but you Here they are now. <laughs> no, sorry, no, they're locked out. Of the, they've just left the cafe. We missed our chance. Yeah. <laughs> so, Adrian, with the, with the yeah. fitness games, um, is it what, what interests you with it? Is it that AR aspect where it mixes with real life? Like, for example, like Wii Fit, was that enough of a kind of thing to keep it within the living room? Or. You're looking for fun. more. I reckon yeah. the one thing that I'm trying to figure out from like a game design perspective is how you can kind of motivate somebody to exercise but not detract mm. from the actual exercise. Because like yep. Pokemon mm. Go, I love Pokemon Go, but if I use it outside, I'm just, you know, I'm going for a walk, but my head's down, my phone's out. Yeah. The so there's got to be yeah, some yeah. sort of middle ground where you can play a game to motivate yourself yeah. to move, but at the same time, just be fully involved mm. in that activity. It's like passive, passively rewarded for it. Uh, I was going to say, because I, I played the uh, Oculus Box VR for a while, and I like tried to integrate that into like my morning routine to do that. And it's kind of like Beat Saber, but you're boxing instead. Um, and like that was fun, but to be honest, I stuck with it about as long as I stick with any exercise, <laughs> which was <laughs> about two weeks. So. You know what gets yeah. me with that? It's the sweat on the... On the on yeah. The- you take that it off part and of it. Oh, sweating. Yeah. That sounds like, awful, yeah. Yeah. And I know, like, you're meant to be able to, like, clean the whole, like, pad and stuff yeah. in the Oculus, but I was say, surely this isn't good for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bring it out. Yeah, bring out the sweat. <laughs> um, what was I going to say with that? The, uh, I mean, you could, you could have, like, that green owl from Duolingo just hounds you every day that you don't <laughs> exercise. Like, that seems to work for them. Oh, yeah, as a that kills me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, they're going from strength to strength. I guess that's even another genre of game of just that, like, education. Like, they have... Mm. I See, I've been on Duolingo since 2014, I want to say. 2013, no, 2013. Or, um, and it was a totally different experience. Like, it was but more or less... This, like, you know, it's the same outcome but they've gamified it so much over the years you can see the process of it and now it's so smooth like how the whole thing works and um yeah like they're, they're that's not even even aimed at as being a game like they have no their angle of why it's a good game is just because it's got good ux like it's got a good interaction but it's not a game yeah they've, they've got the uh, lingots though the currency Oh, you get with it, and, and you got like levels. Yeah. And the, uh, you can't do, do anything with them. 
I don't know. It's just yeah, makes, it's, you, it's you game of like fun. It just makes you feel good. Thousand. I got like two thousand gems or something in that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> can I somehow like purchase a way to make me learn this language faster? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brain capacity did, would be nice. <laughs> they did some yeah. cool stuff with it, and I don't know. I never saw that pop up again. So I don't know if you guys jumped on it later, but um, you could unlock extra lessons and okay. like. Uh, with the Italian one there was like flirting there was idioms and there was something else and I've never seen that come back now they're just like put your owl in a different costume and I'm like I've bought all the costumes and now I've got as you said I have nothing to do with my money but that was cool where it was like here's some extra stuff that if I go to Italy I don't need to learn how to to flirt (laughs) it's probably better I don't learn how to flirt but (laughs) like little shit like that that was kind of cool Oh, we've just had someone else enter the cafe. Is this, wait, is this the developer of Steppen we were talking about? <laughs> so, uh, what's your name? Alex? Definitely not. What's your... Yeah, my name's Alex. How are you? How are you <laughs> Welcome, Alex. <laughs> okay. Alex Steppen. Nice Thank to you. For... <laughs> That's me. Alex Steppen Harding. Thanks for joining the cafe. No, it's, no, I've been listening for quite a while. It's been good to actually come on. Alex has been telling me for a while to come on, so... Yeah. Other, other Alex? We have two yeah, Alexes. Other Alex. other Alex. Alex. Yeah. Alexes. And it's getting yeah. a bit crowded now. Yeah? <laughs> Make sure to put them on the opposite ends of the table so they don't yeah. try and fight for that one position. Yeah, yeah. Well, on this screen, I'm on opposite ends. <laughs> I'm in the top left, he's in the bottom right. Yeah, I think we're good. One of you can be Zila, <laughs> yeah. one of you can be Alex. <laughs> Zila, you have to fight it out. <laughs> I always thought it was Xella was backwards. That like Zila, yeah. Ah. <laughs> what about you, Alex? Uh, Alex, one of you is one of Alex one, and one's Alex two. <laughs> let you decide. New, okay, Alex, new yeah. Alex, new Alex. Alex yeah. <laughs> What's uh, uh, yeah? What are your thoughts? Well, I was thinking because you were talking about like fitness gaming before. I used Ring Fit Adventure for for ages. Oh yeah, sweet. And I actually lost like like over time because it was it got generally harder and harder as it went. But I think I lost like 10, 15 kilos as I went. Well, Far out. And that like it's amazing. if you actually stick to it, it does you know it does what it says on the box. That's for sure. That's very cool. That's a that's a story Nintendo could use probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got plenty of those videos on YouTube and whatnot where people are like losing, mm. you know, 20, 30 kilos from Ring Fit Adventure. But yeah. it's 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 one of those things where you do have to kind of keep up with it, and you do have yeah. to constantly do it. Otherwise, it w- you will drop off. But yeah. I suppose the gamification of it does make you want to keep going back. Which is what I what I started to do. I had a I had a uh, a similar story when I was running a like a competition for older people playing video games. The person that won the competition, he actually played, I think Ring Fit, daily, and he uh, had arthritis. And he went to his doctor, and the doctor actually said to him, "You should get Ring Fit." And wow. played played Ring wow. Fit, and he got rid of his arthritis. His like rheumatoid arthritis oh, does not get affected wow. by. It. And I was like, that's a powerful story, like for older wow. people to get involved and, and um, do things from home and just like that fitness level. It's just crazy. Really mm. cool. Can you that's imagine those stories point, like on the box? Just like, rev- you know how people have reviews yeah. on the box? It's like yeah. PC Gamer, <laughs> 9 out of 10. Yeah. This person is like, 10 out of 10, I got rid of my rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, and even, and even <laughs> just through him getting a Switch and all that sort of stuff, he ended up... Um, purchasing a lot of other games that he wouldn't have typically played, like uh, what's the what's the soccer car game again? Uh, Rocket League. Rocket, Rocket League. League. Yeah. yeah, and he was playing with his grandchildren as well. Um, they yeah. they got involved, and he and he ended up becoming like closer to them socially, wow, um, and physically as well. Like so, it's yeah, 
it, you know, games can be used for all these other kind of reasons without it being the main reason for playing, you know, like social and uh, physical mm. yeah, benefits. Didn't they put um, Nintendo Wii's in retirement homes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they did really well. Bowling, yeah. I wonder yeah. if, like, there's a, like, once they, you know, because this is kind of the stigma, like, with the, some of the older generations about games, like, I wonder if, like, doing stuff like this is going to help reduce that, like, because if you go, oh, well, you know there's a benefit to doing it, then you can broaden it, like you were saying, some other games as well, like, yeah. going, oh, yeah. maybe games aren't all just, you know, the bad things I've heard, let's... Yeah. I had run through about like I want to say 25 games maybe more um, with older people and made a list of uh, game. I, sh- I should probably publish that somewhere um, and I made a list <laughs> of games that um, were you know su- some were more suitable than others and then also things that you could do to uh, change like settings to make it more accessible for older people if they've got like reduced mobility and that kind of stuff and I would set up games in front of older people and get them to just run through it and see where they had issues and that kind of stuff but it would be cool to have some kind of like guidelines or uh you know best practices for making games for for older people because people like older people really enjoyed some of the games that i got them to to run through but the there was issues with like you know the switch controller is so tiny the little Mm. joy con and all the little button combinations like You play bowling and you're like you got to hold the, the the trigger and then press a button and those buttons are so small. Um, that's why the Wii works so well. You got those bigger controllers, mm. but yeah, there's all these kind of issues that because it's not geared towards older people. I, like it would be cool yeah. to see some controllers that were more accessible for. for yeah, older that's people. that's so important. I think that controller accessibility is a huge thing because even like just if I try and use a PS5, I really struggle because the controller is so big. Mm. At the same like. Room. Yeah, yeah. So like, even just like choices like that, like that's that's a huge issue. Small things like that, yeah. Uh, Xbox mm. has a has a pretty good uh, accessibility. They've they've got a I, the I adaptive. Don't know if you saw, yeah, yeah, that big adaptive mm. controller. Just thinking of that as well. Yeah, yeah that's controller. a good one. Yeah. Don't they sell like a giant green button for a hundred bucks on their website? That's for accessibility, <laughs> but it's like a hundred bucks. Yeah, I was going to say that that adaptive controller is quite cost prohibitive too. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Is I that because they know they're on, uh, like, Indo-Asian if you need that, you're on some, yeah, you're on some kind of healthcare plan, so they're, oh, they're right. more milking the plan and not the individual? But that's, that's you like, that. ridiculous, because, like, if you, if you think about, like, the National Disability Insurance, so, like, NDIS, like, mm. I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure if you were, like, if you went to them and you were, like, hey, like, I want to play games, can I have the special controller? Like, wouldn't they be like, don't play games? Yeah. No, I, it depends. It depends. Yeah. Um, like, I know yeah. some people who have case managers through it and stuff. And if, if it's showing that it's actually, like, helping you live a better life, mm. I think, then they will seriously consider it. If it's in so, the catalogue, yeah, they will, they will con- like, some, some providers don't, don't uh, know about it, but some that do. And if you go to an occupational therapist or something and you tell them that this will help you um, in either physical or social ways, they can, like, prescribe it, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Yeah. So it's still, it's still not easy, though. It's still, like... Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Like, I, I know someone who has, like, a sensory disorder. I can't remember what you call it, but, like, hypersensitivity to uh, sensory stuff. And they were able to get noise-canceling headphones was, like, fully covered. Um, and they didn't have to, like, opt for the cheapest option or anything like that. I think they ended up getting some Sennheiser 
real nice ones or something like that. Mm. But yeah, oh, nice. so it's a, it can be swung. Mm. But you know, you can only play these games. <laughs> no yeah, cool duty right. for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. while we got you here, um, uh, Alex, you, we were talking a bit about the the little the new venture of yours that you're trying to set up um, in DXP. I figured while we got you here, it'd be cool to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I I mean, I've been doing marketing, but, uh, but prior to that, I've been doing uh, like. I don't know why my camera keeps doing that, by the way. It it's right. The audience won't see this. So. Well, that's, yeah, yeah. It, if you pixel. start sounding blurry, we've got problems. So. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> uh, but I, so I've been an editor for a website called Switchaboo, which we've just done game reviews for about the last four or five years. And I thought, you know, dealing with a lot of publishers and press agencies and all that kind of stuff, and um, a lot of developers, especially independent game developers, don't really know how to... Well, they don't really either. They don't know how to market their games, or they just don't have the time or the knowledge to do it. And I, I know video game development. Like, I can't develop a thing. Uh, like, I've got no development bone in my body. Absolutely. But these so these projects take years and years of work, and they can't, on top of that, think about how they're going to market their game. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know, trying to make something like a little business venture for that. Would be would be a good way to do it, and I've actually been shown around like Game Plus uh, a couple of days ago, and started to meet some people, and I'm really excited to see how this goes because there's not too much support for that in Adelaide. Yeah, definitely, uh, it's a great niche to be in. Oh, what's what was the name of it? Sorry, uh, the Indie XP. Indie XP, and uh, can people find that online or anything yet? Yeah, um, so there's there is a Twitter page. Um, yep. But you can always email email me alex at theindiexp dot com uh, indiexp so it's like one word there yeah um, cool but yeah you guys uh, you can email me uh, follow me on Twitter theindiexp and there is a website it's like got two blog articles and that's it like mm-hmm. nothing to show for it at the moment um, but yeah it's something I, I hope to develop especially while I'm at uni as well. Yeah, right. And Sounds what you, really cool. Yeah, what are you finding is like the biggest gaps in the marketing kind of knowledge with indies? Is it like social media? Marketing. Is it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say like probably where to start. Like that, yeah. that's the biggest thing. Like market, And you were saying, yeah, marketing in general. Like just mm. some people just don't know where to start. A lot of people as well kind of feel anxious about doing it because like this is art that they're making. So they're – because – Whenever anyone makes something, there's always that anxiety about what people are going to think about it. So it's almost that kind of fear about putting yourself out there to show other people. So really it's about, I mean, independent game developers, a lot of them are bootstrapping, so they can't really be running, you know, $1,000 marketing campaigns on social media and paid ads and whatnot. So that's when Mm. you start looking at, like, leveraging earned media through influencers and press and... um, you just need someone to, you know, be that in-between person to be able to contact these people. Yeah, and they shouldn't re- like as someone who did the marketing in within in-house. Mm. And if you want to do it properly, like I think that I don't know. I feel like in an indie team, unless you can actually afford to have someone doing that, you shouldn't be doing that because, like, I would see it as every moment I'm spending on the marketing, I'm not spending on the game, um, yeah. and I'd get such a conflict about it. I'd be like. Like, I'm marketing something that I'm not even polishing right now, you know? And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always found it hard as well to separate, like, the creative headspace and the marketing headspace. Like, mm-hmm. I find, because uh, 
if you're doing marketing as well, you're always thinking about the audience, and it can really stifle like the kind of creative aspects, uh, at least personally. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's a big part of it. Like, you can take feedback to heart as well, and then change your approach to how you design your game. Yeah, yeah, and it's obviously good to do that in some cases with testing. But like, if you if you're trying to please the whole market or all the markets, then yeah, you're not going to really make anything in the end. No. Yeah. That's yeah, a good point. So that's awesome. Yeah, Should no, we uh, transition to the next uh, article? The next epic article? Yeah, well, I was going to say Alex was talking about indie developers that Ooh. bootstrap things together. Um, <laughs> there is this one indie developer called Epic Games <laughs> who are bootstrapping. I don't know, Costa, tell us, what are they doing? Epic is rolling out some new cross-play tools for Steam and the Epic Games Store. So Epic is rolling out like a, a set of cross-play tools uh, in its online services SDK that will let developers build connections between Steam and the Epic Game Store's multiplayer infrastructure. So once developers implement the tools, players who own either the Steam copy of a game that's made with Unreal or the Epic Game Store version will be finally uh, able to play together and interact online. Um, and again, it's not surprising that Epic Games is doing this given the CEO being quite vocal, like a vocal advocate for opening up the walled gardens of all these different platforms and trying to get you know Fortnite on all these different platforms all working together um, and obviously making Steam its first priority on PC given that that's probably one of, it probably is the largest um, playing uh, games distribution platform and, and services platform as well. So yeah, they're, they're really taking aim at that um and yeah many of the people that make games with unreal steam typically is their target market on pc so this will allow multiplayer developers to sell the games on that without the fear of splitting their pc player populations i thought this was already a thing but that's to me it's just it's so counterintuitive to release yeah. on two different like it's on the same platform and you're on two different uh you know, there's a there's a garden there's a walled garden between the two of them that to me is just bizarre. Yeah. Question: mm-hmm. Does Gabe Newell have to decide on this? Like, do they get a say? Like, how does that work? Like, does it just work without them thinking? Like, I don't know. Well, wouldn't it yeah. be an agreement between the two platforms? Would it be? <laughs> It, it kind of it doesn't feel valve like to me like yeah. <laughs> yes. right? it, to me it kind of seems like they'd probably be creating some kind of bridge between the two like to to these two services to speak to each other um i don't think gabe would <laughs> approve of this mm. <laughs> yeah they would they would have to in some form though otherwise they would actively crack down on it surely well, yeah, not too sure. Is, is Gabe still yeah. at Valve? I haven't heard from him in a long time. I've heard he was hand delivering um, Half Steam Decks. Oh, no, 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 Steam Decks. Yeah, I did see that. I did see that one actually. I thought yeah. he was still on his yacht, <laughs> <laughs> refusing to come off. And it, it's, it's interesting. You, it says here also that um, players in a certain game will be able to view all of their steam and epic game friends like friend lists into a single list as well which is pretty cool and the in-game invite system will also so if someone's online on steam and they have the game you can invite them uh from even if you've launched the game from the epic game store which is cool well see that would have to use the steam api then to Mm. pull that Mm. out so there's got to be some level of 
cooperation there, or at least just not <laughs> not blocking it, at least. Yeah. 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 I mean, because because I also just read that the Fall Fall guys um, went free to play and it left. It actually left Steam for the Epic Game Store. So. Oh wow. I wonder wow. if that was a decision that was made because of these kind of restrictions that are being oh. placed as well. That's I mean, interesting. I, know, yeah. I saw yeah. that today that it, like the ad came up like on. Um, the Epic Games launcher saying Fall Guys is here. Mm. That's such an insult to injury because like I paid for Fall Guys on Steam. So like, okay, now oh. it's free to play. Fair enough. But now it's free to play and I can't even play the version that I paid for. Yeah. Yeah, I did the same thing. The- I don't even know my Epic Games password. <laughs> I'm going to have to figure stuff out to play again. It's right. Tim Sweeney will personally hand deliver it to you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, actually, I was going to ask that. Like, cause I don't play games on the Epic Game Store. I um just whenever there's a free game I nab it and I go yeah one day. Um, <laughs> what's the um, what do you what do you all think of the actual like friend system and chat and stuff like that? Because from what I've seen, like with Epic being really clean, minimal with their like layout, it doesn't look terribly inviting. Where like Steam still has that kind of Steam funhouse approach. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, okay, there you yeah. go. Like. It's a personal taste thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, well, the Epic one, for, like, quite some time, it didn't have anything, right? Like, I remember launching Epic through Steam so Mm. I could use the friend's stuff in Steam. Yeah. So it must still be... I must have come much further than that, I guess. Very clean, but I haven't really... Again, I'm the same. I haven't really used... Plus, I think much. since Discord, most of us kind of use that as the yeah. surround, right? Like, you don't really use the... Actually, oh, by, yeah. by the way, Alex, just to yeah. interject, you know you said you buy the games and, like, don't play them? Yeah. It just reminds me, I, I heard the other day, there's a Japanese word, uh, sundoku, I think you say. Uh, it's for when you buy books and leave them on your shelf and don't read them. They got a word and for that. Like, it's like, is there also a word for buying games and not playing them? Or can we just like use the same word? I think well, we need a word because everyone does it. Yeah, if you're the French mm-hmm. ministry, they're going to demand you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, there will be one word and then there will be the, the official French word. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good comparison, actually. You know what? Pat myself on the back of that. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because I have a word for it. That's clean. Okay, uh, is anyone here uh, know any Japanese? Because... Does doku mean something to do with book? Because there's sudoku, sudoku, like the game, and then what did what, what did you just say this one was called? Uh, sundoku. So T S U N D O K U in the English. D O K U. Yeah. So that doku. What does that mean? We're taking calls. Uh, <laughs> not, it not means dr- drunkard, according to Google. <laughs> it means what? <laughs> Drunkard, someone who's had too many bevies. <laughs> what are you going to say, Alex? Not to my knowledge. I mean, uh, hon is the word for book uh, in Japanese. Okay. So that's that's like literally my knowledge. Of so that. hon so doesn't what, even turn up in this this thingy. I forgot it already. Something well, Sudoku. <laughs> Sudoku. So uh, Alex, uh, too. Do you know the Do you know the word for game? Game in Japanese. Game. Yeah, it's just the katakana game. So it would be like Sun Gamu or something. Sun yeah. Gamu. I'm sure it'll work. <laughs> um, yeah, right. <laughs> if we are butchering the Japanese language, please someone um, we so re- reshare, <laughs> yeah. reshare our tweet with your hot take and why we should be cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <nah. laughs> 
I welcome this. Actually, um, I was going to say before, have you? I heard someone say um, in this workplace I was in the other week uh, that um, Discord's now doing games like built into the platform. Didn't they? They used to have really? that. Really? Right? They Did used they? to have Discord Nitro. You'd, you'd pay and get games with it, and then they removed that a few years ago. Did uh-huh. they have games with it? Because I had Disco, uh, Disco, Discord Nitro. Back in Disco. the day, yeah, they had... Look at these rich people with Nitro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mine was a tax write-off. <laughs> yeah, mine's a tax write-off. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, apparently there's like, I don't know, sport games or something in there. They're meant to be like pretty good. But it just reminded me when you said before, Susie, that everyone's just adopted um, Discord as the... Uh, what do you call? Stuff. Uh, Container the, system. That's <laughs> the new MSN messenger. You can say it, Alex. Yeah, yeah good, good. Alex appears to be offline. <laughs> send him a nudge. Yeah, send him a nudge. Oh, I love the uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> If offline. only everyone starts putting like really depressing song lyrics in their statuses oh, on my Discord. God. I can't wait. But it has to be all these like weird fonts. Yeah. For our younger audience, if you go to Google... And search MSN Messenger. <laughs> you, you will be introduced to. Uh, What's Google? Is this a channel on TikTok? <laughs> for one of my assignments, actually, I was uh, researching like uh, chat rooms for. I can't remember what it was for now, but it actually referenced. It was an article from 2010 that referenced Bebo. Whoa, Bebo! Yeah, Bebo. Wow. I don't know. And that I've, one. I've, I didn't yeah, use it. I've said to so many people, Bebo, and no one knows what it is. Yeah, you know what it was at my school? I was never on it because it was only the cool kids that were on Bebo, <laughs> so I never quite made it. <laughs> what was your first chat client, John? Was that MSN? Mine. Uh, I don't know if this counts, but uh, on the Lego website, back Ooh. in the days of dial-up internet... You could play Connect Four Lego Connect Four against a random person in the world, and I remember my very first online chat experience was against a French person. Um, and neither of us could understand each other, and <laughs> abs- absolutely demolished me at Connect Four. Kiss <laughs> kiss. Oh my god, that's hilarious! I love it. How about you? How about yours? Yeah, I was going to ask everyone's. Mine was um, ICQ because I'm old, and that was like. Um, uh, it was like kind of like what came before MSN, but it was really blocky and annoying. And it, when you got a message, it said, "Uh oh!" Like <laughs> you didn't want the message. Like what? <laughs> like, uh oh, you got to respond. Oh, what did I do? <laughs> there's a there's a framework now um, called Socket.io. So if you're into mm. web development, mm. boot that up. It's a JavaScript uh, framework in five minutes you can have your own like private chat going on with your friends. Like you can set up an MSN. Um, it's just like real easy HTML. It's just setting up lists. Like every message is a list. It's constantly refreshing doing for all the, all the code is done. You go to the fire ship, uh, not fire ship, socket IO website. And it just does it also like a lot of online games use that like web games, um, mm. to they leverage that. So you, to That's like have cool. Multiplayer or just chat room or stuff like that, but like, yeah, you can just, you literally just build your own. If you've got your own server, then I mean, you can host it wherever you want. But if you want a private one, you can just have your own server and just do it there. You can bring yeah, MSN course. back. You can bring that cube <laughs> one you just said. Mate, yeah, or just maybe don't call it MSN. <laughs> <laughs> I know, did, has anyone else here used any other uh, like retro ch- chat apps back oh, in the day? 
IRC. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, man. You know, the only place I hear about IRC now is on the podcast Dark Web Diaries, and it's only hackers that use it. <laughs> you know, when I, when I was in uni, um, there was a guy, and he was, like, just off the grid. It was in computer science, and he was like to me, if you want to, like, chat to me, he's like, go on this IRC server and go to this channel. And the channel was, like, the channel name was Awoken Backwards Awoke. or something like that. Wow. And he was like, well, if you want to chat to me, go on that channel. And I went on this channel. It was like, just me and him in this one IRC <laughs> channel in this server. And I was like, this is the most... <laughs> Was he, like, was he actually Mr. Robot? Like, yeah, was literally he, he, he actually looked like Mr. Robot. He was before Mr. Oh Robot, but he actually looked like, he always wore a hoodie yeah. and he was like one of the smartest, uh, like literally the smartest person I knew in computer science. Man, I love it. It's, you know, whenever you see stock photos of like computer hackers and it's like the kid with the hoodie, yeah. it's all just this one guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surrounded. Does he wear? Does he don the like anonymous mask as well from time to time? You know, what? I wouldn't be surprised. He, <laughs> I remember him telling me that he had like, I don't know, it's off topic, but he had like ten cups of coffee in one day, and he had to go to the hospital or something. And he was just, <laughs> oh my he was God. just insane. This guy, insanely uh, smart man. but insane. That's so funny. Side note, just because you got me thinking about it, what do you reckon is uh, the best way to hack into like a big? Like these hackers, right? You're like, you know, like, well, they're all wizards and stuff like that, but they're just looking for exploits. Um, we'll figure out a way to gamify this topic. But um, the, the, the biggest way they hack into like big organizations at the moment is. Social um, engineering? Really yeah. stupid. It's uh, general social engineering. What is that, Alex? Uh, well, I don't know what social engineering is, so this might it's be like that. You... <laughs> it's going to be someone. fishing. Right? Someone. It's going to be fishing. Uh, I mean, there's that. Actually, you know what? Let me rephrase it. This probably isn't the biggest way, but it's a big way. You know what it is? It's um, I have a Zoom call with Costa or something like that, and um, the sitting person sitting behind Costa has passwords written on a post-it note and stuck on the computer. Um, he, this guy I know, he's a, an ethical hacker. He's hacked into like Apple and all this stuff, and he's like, that's one of the biggest ways is people just leave their passwords on their post-it notes. Now, there's five yeah. of you in this chat. I'm going to guess one of you has a password written somewhere near a computer you own at some point. Well, I mean, you're all tech people, so I'm going to guess probably not. But we're talking about people in an office <laughs> who are, and it's the person behind you will be on their webcam and is showing your passwords to the world. So anyone who's listening, dump your passwords, get a key. You know what you can get? You can get these things that are like um, credit cards and they've basically got like the NFC thing in them. So you put your passwords on this credit card. It's got a USB on it as well. So you know how like there's password managers. This is like the next step. So you just plug that in and... What happens when you yeah. lose that? Is it like a USB that, that you just plug in and it's got your password? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, is it like lose that, that thing USB for... so fast. Yeah, it sounds like that thing that you need to use... Um, Pro Tools. Yeah, it's like that. Oh, uh, like yeah, that. Uh, the iLock. Yeah. I lost, yeah. lost my iLock. I did too. <laughs> I did too. I lost iLock? mine for a year and then it mysteriously turned up when the universe wanted me to make music again. <laughs> <laughs> you saying you have one, Adrian? Me? Oh, no, no, I don't. I'm just saying if there was a credit card version, I'd definitely look at it. So it'd be very secure. Yeah. So on Amazon, it's like 70 bucks or something. And yeah, right. this is the hacker, the guy that I know, uses this. He's like, this is the only thing I would trust with my passwords. He's like, not even password managers anymore. But what if time. you lose that thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, really. I mean, you can always reset all your passwords. Yeah. yeah I mean, Having said you... that, you've got to be careful. So that's probably good. But I remember uh, back in the 
one of the recent crypto boons, there was because you, you can get like those USB dongles for like for your crypto. passphrase and uh, to access your wallets. Yep. And there was like one of the manufacturers in the supply chain. I don't know. They got hacked, and they were like selling these. There you go. Cost is showing us one. They were they were selling these like uh, hacked dongles. Yeah. And so you would plug it in and give it access to your wallet, and then it would give access to the hackers. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, every time yeah. you buy one of these, they go to you. Make sure that you buy it from the manufacturer, and it's sealed when it comes to you. Like, and it's sealed yeah. in this like it's always sealed in like a really annoying thing that you have to like rip open basically, <laughs> so that you can ensure that it's actually um, not been pre-hacked before it comes to you. Hackers can't buy heat shrink. We're yeah. Sick. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, look, hackers are not monsters. They wouldn't ruin that. They wouldn't ruin the nice, like, unwrapping experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's like um, hacking. I, my favorite thing on TV is when they have TV shows who have people hacking, and it's just the, the wrongest thing ever. Like, have, as well yeah. as CSI, where they had two people using one keyboard, Ugh. and they were Wait. like... Oh yeah, they... the manpower. And they just had like four hands on this one keyboard. And I was watching it like this is they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna solve every single cyber. Is, is that not that just as... called pair programming? I think. <laughs> just code reviewing. That kind of reminds me. Has, has anyone That's... seen that documentary on Netflix about the um, social media and like how how it can be like dangerous? Oh, the yeah, social, yeah. Dilemma? social dilemma. That's the one. I and know. I was watch. I watched about twenty thirty minutes of it. I had to turn it off because it's it was. It just made me roll my eyes because they were reenacting like two people in a meeting room saying like he's looking at this. Okay, we're going to send him an ad. We're going to do this. And it's like you know, it's not one person sitting yeah. in the room, <laughs> yeah, being all, being all evil like Doctor Evil style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, have oh it, God, they have so. it on the news with the articles and like if you pause it, like this is HTML. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Like, oh yeah, that's so funny. Everything. Oh I always God. love that you can see it on like Today Tonight and all those kind of like more low budget ones as well where yeah. like they get the, the doctor or whatever show them in their office and they get them to sit down and start typing something <laughs> and they're just like <laughs> their hands are just going up and down they called it the computer <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they show like real blurry searches of Google yeah 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 I was thinking when you were saying uh, multiple people on the same keyboard I was like, maybe they're just all in year nine and they're playing um, Smash Brothers on the PC. That's like the time when like, I was on the news and they were interviewing me and they were like, um, scroll, scroll through your apps, like through your app drawer. And I was like, they needed footage or something. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I don't uh, really me, want everyone to know what apps I've got. Let me so just delete up of them. <laughs> so I'm, I'm scrolling through and then they're like, open one. So I opened the Sam Burroughs app. <laughs> and, then, and then they had to blur it out because they weren't allowed to like show sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> and I bet you Zambies, when it's blurred out, looks like something real bad. Yeah. <laughs> I wear the free Zambies out. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, just to stop there. Sorry, Susie, you were on the news. <laughs> What's yeah. the story uh, there? This was a couple of years ago about Hannah. Mm. Oh, awesome. So it was ABC News 24, and they came around to work, and they were like, you know, and they were like, Hannah's on mobile, right? Open your phone. That's <laughs> and awesome. I'm scrolling through. At, yeah. Out of interest, were you happy with, like, the final reporting on it? Do you feel like they gave it, like, the proper story? Yeah, it was pretty good. I had a yeah, good cool. experience. I had a good reporter, and they, they kind of got it, and they got the point that 
what we were trying to do and they didn't really edit too much. So, I, yeah, I think I was pretty happy with that. I, you. you know, I think it depends on who you get, right? Like, and yeah. the, the news outlet too. ABC, like, I think they're pretty good. Like, they're generally pretty good. I've, I've just heard some horror stories from, like, even from ABC kind of thing where they, you know, uh, do yeah. editing and stuff and make it sound like someone said something they didn't or whatever. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's all right. Glad they treated Hannah with respect. So. Thanks. I remember that when they uh, announced the... Um, SAFC Games Innovation Fund and you had Pisoni at Game Plus and like all the reporters were like you know fine and one clearly had a vendetta with um, Pisoni you know um, and would not let it like even change the topic to be something completely not related to games and like it just gave you an insight into those news snippets where they're talking to a politician and they give some like answer with like some stupid answer mm. like nah, i've already spoken about this we're going to be doing this and you're like ah i voted for this guy or whatever mm. and you're like oh no they're probably at an event that has nothing to do with this this mm. same reporter has been mm. handing them from stop to stop <laughs> yeah yeah mm. and then they'll take that one snippet and then play it and then you yeah 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 all right um all right we should probably keep things moving mm. um costa you got another one for us yeah so microsoft has signed a labor neutrality agreement with uh, CWA ahead of the Activision Blizzard deal. So this agreement um, has to do with uh, unions. So the agreement will allow uh, covered employees at Activision Blizzard to freely and fairly make a choice about union representation, which is huge for um, this because it's there's been a constant battle with Activision Blizzard for their employees to unionize, and uh, there's been a lot of issues that have. Um, been going on there for quite a while. A lot of, yeah, a lot of bad things. Um, so the the agreement will take effect at uh, Activision Blizzard 60 days after Microsoft's acquisition closes, and will allow workers to freely and fairly make a choice about union representation. Uh, it includes five basic provisions that will apply to employees after the deal has closed, including a commitment from Microsoft to take a neutral approach when employees covered by the agreement express interest in joining a union. It will also allow employees to easily exercise their right to communicate with other employees and union representatives about union membership. And it's interesting, they, they say that um, it'll, have, it'll have access to an innovative technology, I don't know what that means, supported and streamlined process for choosing whether to join a union, and employees can maintain confidentiality and privacy of that choice if they wish, so they don't have to um, say that they're part of a union. And this is, I think, something that... When we had done, we'd covered that the Australian uh, Union, and that you mentioned Alex in that uh, podcast a while back, yeah. around that being a, an important thing, not actually ha- having to mention that you're in a union because that might, uh, you know, you might be treated differently and that kind of stuff. Obviously, that's, that's what, discrimination against. That's that, what I was thinking. I was like, how is this like? We've like, oh yes, we've signed this agreement that we're going to give you the basic rights of workers around the world. Mm. Oh, it, it's in reaction to Apple. Yeah. Basically, I mean, Apple being anti-union and, oh, yeah. right. and probably a number of the other big companies, but Apple being direct competitor. This is Microsoft yeah. basically saying, yeah, we're not Apple, we'll treat you right. Well, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> it makes sense because like, because there has been so much going on, specifically Activision Blizzard, um, with, you know, issues and, and so much misconduct that have, that's occurred, like sexual, you know, misconduct and a lot of bad things that have happened there. Um, I think that was one of the worries that 
the employees had when Microsoft bought it. They were like, well, hopefully this will actually change something. So it's good to see that Microsoft's um, putting in the effort to or at least kick some things in motion. Uh, and it also says here that the news comes after QA employees at Activision Blizzard, Blizzard subsidiary Raven Software uh, voted to unionize under the Game Workers Alliance banner with assistance from CWA as well. Um, and the union has been recognized by Activision Blizzard, with, which began good faith negotiations with those Raven workers last week uh, to strike up a collective bargaining agreement. So it's good. It seems like there's some, some things changing um, at you know some really big studios. Whoever plane that is, the union found you. <laughs> yeah, I live under an airport, sadly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's still mind-boggling that the like it's a that these this wasn't a right that was just provided to you because yeah, when I was at that um, Game Workers Unite, um, they were saying, and I asked, I was like, "What obligation do employers have in regards to union?" And they were like, "Well, it's like two ways. Like the the employer has no obligation." To tell you about that a union even exists, because um, I mean, let's be honest, probably in a in a workplace's best interest, you don't know about a union, um, and vice versa, they can't ask you if you're a part of the union. And not only that, if they did ask you, you're legally allowed to lie to them. Now, I don't know mm. if that just counts under Australian law or mm. what, but that, that's straight from them. From the think they said you're legally allowed to lie if you're ever questioned about being a part of a union. So it's weird that, like, you know, I mean, like, this is also, and not to detract from the story, because this is still cool, but it's like, it's weird that it, it feels like it's like applauding basic things, basic you know? Things, yeah. 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 Mm. Well, it says here that, you know, these binding commitments will give employees a seat at the table and ensure that the acquisition of Activision Blizzard benefits the company's workers and the broader video game labor market. That's what they said. That's mm. And that's uh, not Microsoft, but the actual. Uh, the Workers uh, Association said that, the, I think the president mentioned And that, to bring so. people up to speed who aren't aware, um, Microsoft's, the, their involvement with Activision Blizzard is, they're, they're buying it, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. Yep. They are buying it. Do, does this only apply to Activision Blizzard or is it all of Microsoft's studios? I think specifically Activision Blizzard. That's really weird. Oh, actually, yeah. you know what? No, it might, it might be... No, I think it would. No, it's it, ahead of Activision Blizzard, so I don't. I don't think it would be. It, it does also say it includes five basic provisions that will apply to Activision Blizzard employees after the deal has closed. So it must. I mean, it must be. If if Microsoft is signing a an agreement, you know, with this, uh, with the Communications Workers of America, which is the association, I would assume that that would cover anyone in Microsoft. To yeah, I just find it. We, I mean, like, okay, obviously I know this is a very complex from a business standpoint, and but just the idea that they're only signing this with one of their companies. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, like, very clearly about Activision Blizzard then, which is maybe the message they're trying to send. Mm. But, like, you, you would think that if they have a parent company that are, like, you know, trying to push this kind of, yeah, we support unionization, it would be nice if they kind of had the standards set across all their uh, child yeah. companies. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not sure about the other companies. I know there's been one instance where there was some protesting happening at Microsoft for some algorithm that was helping the one of the defense 
forces in, I don't know, I'm butchering this, but one of the defense forces in America uh, to track immigrants or something. So, and, and there, oh, was wow. a, there was a big uh, protest that the soft, you know, software developers and everyone working on it, you know, took mm. a stance, stance against it and said, no, we're not going to work on this. So that's probably yeah, the only right. other instance that I've heard where there's kind of been this collective bargaining um, at other employees at, at Microsoft. But yeah, I mean, from Microsoft's perspective, they they don't want to lose their. They've just paid seventy billion. <laughs> they don't want to lose their employees to other companies. Yeah, mm. yes. Um, there's an art, there's looking at a couple articles. One from end of May that says Phil Spencer says Microsoft will recognize the first AAA video game union once the acquisition is complete, which is mm. recognizing Raven Software's union. Mm. It says uh, uh, Spencer said that he didn't have much experience with unions. Um, <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. Um, it says, yeah, once the deal closes, we'd absolutely support employees' organization that's in place. We think it's a right of employees and something that can be a part of the relationship between a company and people who work at the company. And then there was an article um, saying Microsoft promises to play nice with future unions too, which was from four weeks ago. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. hearing that. Is that me? Might be I think it's, it's coming around us. Sorry, Susie. I think you are about to get a phone call or something. It's making that weird. <laughs> or, or you're emitting our a, phones, man. <laughs> or or you're emitting a uh, radioactive field at the moment. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it was right under the monitor, so maybe that's what I was doing. It. Is this because we're talking about unions now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get ads now, like for all these yeah. unions. <laughs> Hello, FBI. You realize we're like broadcasting this. This is a podcast, right? You can hear what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if yeah. I go missing right now, we'll all know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's another uh, comment as well. Reggie from, um, you know, ex-Nintendo says, I've worked in industries that have high levels of unionization. This is not a good or bad thing. It is a situation that as a leader, as an executive, you need to manage just like any other challenge or issue or opportunity that you face. I love that the wording was challenge issue or opportunity because he doesn't want to say anything because nintendo doesn't have any unions and uh you know did he I uh i don't think he did, wants did, to speak out against nintendo yeah. did, did he like reach out to them and he's like i want to make a comment and then he's like i have no strong feelings one way or the other <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he uh he i think Reggie previously was the exec head executive one of the head executives at pizza Hut or domino's yeah so like when he says when he says at my previous jobs it's like he's talking about you know pizza <laughs> pizza delivery yeah that makes <laughs> like, a lot of sense like yeah as a union promise no one out pizzas the hut yeah <laughs> <laughs> where are those pizza drones Reggie yeah. <laughs> we were promised pizza drones pizza drones oh my god that's good I think it was Domino's. I have a feeling. Yeah, it was. Oh, sorry, Pizza Hut. <laughs> oh, that's right. They had the bot. That thing. Oh, yeah. my God. Do you know, so when they introduced <laughs> that, I don't know if this was just because it was introduced and it was problems, but you know, like, okay, you order something from Domino's online and they're like, this, this annoys me. It's Costa. As a UX person, I hope this annoys you too. <laughs> um, they will be like, oh, we're preparing your pizza for you. We're going to take a photo of it. And they're like, here's the pizza. Expect this in 20 minutes, right? They're like... Here, proof. See, I don't know why they send you a photo. Like, yeah, we're not eating. Is this it. Domino's? This is Domino's. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then, and then they send you a thing that says, "Okay, your delivery." I can't remember. 
I'm going to say the names have been changed to protect them. I just can't remember. But they're like, your delivery driver is Crystal. Um, did you know Crystal's favorite music is, you know, EDM or something mm-hmm. like that? Wait, I'm really? Like, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's weird that you have to tell me this. And then the pizza rocks up and it's not Crystal. It's <laughs> some guy. And I'm like, now I'm worried about Crystal. Like, well, you didn't even did have to tell least, me that there was a delivery driver. Did you at least ask the guy about EDM to <laughs> see if <that> was... <laughs> you listen to BT or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> oh, but I'm like, what terrible UX. And uh, now they don't do that anymore. Like, I know. Alex, as, a, as an honorary Italian, I don't eat Domino's. Honorary Italian, wow. And honor, wait, no, what, what were we talking about before? What's the term? As an adjunct Italian. Adjunct Italian. <laughs> an adjunct Italian. <laughs> oh my god. Italians that don't eat Domino's are just jealous. Do you think it says something about our world that the one that disappeared was Pizza Haven? Like, that was too yeah. good for this world? Like, we could have a haven? Like, <laughs> I love Pizza Haven. It's so good. Haven yeah. is like an escape, and the hut found them. Yeah, that's the one. They <laughs> the, the last one just closed down recently, didn't it? Or? That was Pizza Hut, the all you can eat. That was yeah, the all you can eat one. So no, I used to go there as a kid. At least yeah. love that place. Yeah. See, that's why I can see Reggie moving from Pizza Hut to Nintendo because yeah. it's like they're both aimed at kids and having that <laughs> fun experience. <laughs> he was also at yeah. VH1. I thought you were going to say he was also an adjunct Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) He was at VH1. Wow. Yeah. We're uh, We're not quite off track here, but yeah, maybe we should put... Yeah, let's... let's, Speaking of pizzas, Costa's asking, which platform should you launch your video game on first? (laughs) This one might be interesting. On Domino's or VH1? Um, (laughs) uh, A few days ago, Patrick... So this is an article from... uh, uh, game developer, but it's originally from Game Discover Co., which is an awesome uh, publication. really dives deep into, uh, like, business and marketing of uh, games, and indie games specifically. Um, So this one was around uh, OneDev's Xbox Struggles. So basically the title was, OneDev's Xbox Struggles may show how Game Pass is already changing games. Um, and in it, he chats, the developer, Patrick Klepek, uh, chats to the game bakers about their experience shipping uh, the game Haven and how it affected platform choices for their new DLC called Fury as well. So basically, since Haven was an Xbox Game Pass uh, on day one and the standalone Xbox sales weren't that awesome, um, the... Hold on, sorry, I've lost my track here. <laughs> Fury was featured on PlayStation Plus uh, at launch back in 2016, but also never sold great on Xbox. So, uh, Fury being the DLC, uh, basically what ended up happening was uh, they talked to the team at Xbox to see if there was a way to get some support. But Fury, the DLC, didn't align with the Game Pass strategy focused on new titles. So. The developer said that this is why we took the decision not to bring the DLC to Xbox at launch. Um, the chances the investment was not going to recoup were high. And what's particularly neat about this article is that it snapshots the units downloaded and sold per platform for both 2020's Haven and 2016's Fury before the, the DLC hit. And with Haven's uh, players, both including and not including Game Pass, we, see, we get a breakdown of uh, the units sold for Haven uh, with Game Pass and without Game Pass. 
And if you see the breakdown, it's essentially 73% of Haven that was released uh, with Game Pass. Um, it was, yeah, 73% was on Xbox, um, with 16% being on Steam. And then Haven units uh, without Game Pass was basically, the sales were 58%. Um, on Steam, uh, and Xbox was not even in the next three. So, just to show that the the uh, the power of having Game Pass or launching with Game Pass, um, yeah, just completely skewed the amount of people that played it to Xbox. Um, and this kind of comes down to the the conversation around what platforms that you you know should you launch your, your video game on first uh, I know Alex you've previously worked on releasing on all platforms on launch um, but you know the, the the article here actually mentions the different strategies that people do and some alternate um, configurations that people do when they when they ship on these different things so uh, you know some people ship simultaneously on all platforms some people choose not to um, and it says yeah it's not it's not the right approach for many nowadays to do that um, but yeah here's some different configs that we've seen so PC first and then console uh, for or after the first 1.0 release so for example uh, a game called Skull the Hero Slayer and especially with a lot more complex PC titles like Rust which needed time to come to console um, they they uh, initiated on this strategy and the big advantage was that you can get the community to knock out early bugs and improve the game um, the disadvantage obviously that you can't do one big launch push traditional kind of from a PR perspective another configuration that people did is um, having PC and switch only at launch and I've seen that's that's one that um, a lot of people have done uh, so for example uh, Devolver the publisher uh, helping launch the title Gunbrella that did that recently um, and it says here that you need a lot more paid QA in order to pass the switch cert sufficiently which I've heard a lot of people a lot of developers talk about um, ahead of time but at least until recently the two platform push could be worth it another one was PC and whoever pays you to be in a subscription service day one so this combination of Xbox PC Game Pass and also maybe PlayStation Plus um, it says here maybe not Apple Arcade, but again money talks here, and it's whatever develop whatever the uh, platform is willing to pay as well. Um, and that and, and again showing these seeing these statistics, it definitely helps launching with with a service like Game Pass. Uh, you get a lot of players for that specific uh, platform. Another one is PC and console and mobile at the same time. So games like you know Genshin Impact um, really does seem like you can make truly platform independent game that isn't Fortnite or Minecraft if you get it right um, there's not a lot of these that work without a lot of tweaking more often games come to mobile later like Apex Legends but it is worth considering and obviously a lot of this comes down to budget uh, the experience that you have and that kind of stuff but yeah there's some big questions around this subject and uh, a lot of old school folks will presume that simultaneously shipping on all consoles and PC is the best, also in part because it can justify higher upfront game budgets. What are your thoughts on this, on launching which platform to launch and, and how it happens? I think like my, my thought with this is this is like really cool, is um, like there's so much that you can't mention 
because of NDAs, which I think screws over independent developers because mm. we can't talk to each other. We know we're all doing it and we yeah. can't talk <laughs> to each other about why you're doing things the way you're doing things, right? So I can't say, divulge any information about certain choices, why certain choices are made, but just know certain choices get made because you have no choice, you know, like... You always do, like, if, a secret handshake between, like, Switch developers or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's like, if I shake your hand in this way, you know what it means. Yeah. you got to do the... Uh, the click. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Switch click. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, like, there's so much stuff that would help, like, release schedules and stuff like that, but you, with, like, you can't talk about it because, like, if you don't know this and you're going into it the first time, it's the same with um, publishers being, like you will do this and you will do this and maybe we'll publish you. And if you don't have the confidence or experience to know, oh, you guys are just calling our bluff. Like, mm. if we just say no and you still like the game, then you're going to cover the costs of this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that was that huge, like, when we put Hinosis on Switch, just, like, not knowing anything about the process. And, like, we had a launch date and that got blown out three times. Just yeah, because right. there were so many unknowns that we needed to deliver, like, and change and, and do that, like, and there's no docs and stuff, obviously, because it's all... Was yeah. it Hinosis that passed yeah. certification on Switch in the first go? No. <laughs> I think it was the 10th go. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's meant to be real hard, Switch. That's really mm. interesting. Um speaking about switch um i've heard i've definitely only heard this in passing not from any official sources or anything like that but um <laughs> no i people uh, developing for switch i know switch is a lot less powered than most other consoles and stuff like that and so like if you do for example want to release on all consoles at the same time it's not just a simple build it in unity or build it in unreal and then push deploy and it shoots in all directions it's like you pretty much have to be doing like simultaneous testing on um and i know if certain consoles you can't actually test at the the like uh engine or like frame uh dimensions or power level of that console let's say um so you have to do for example certain consoles which may be underpowered you should be testing in like a mo on a mobile platform <laughs> to make sure it runs properly so then when you do actually go for like certification and then like sending it out shipping mm. it then you've already done that testing so yeah. The, yeah there was another thing i just to add to that i, I can't remember which developer we had on actually ring Rose. i bet it's actually ring Rose. i can't remember who it was but SMG there was some really <laughs> complex yeah uh, hoops you have to jump through with nintendo switch especially like you have to support almost like every controller that the switch supports and you have to like run it like run the game and then unplug the controller and see how the game inter you know reacts to that and you have to set up all these kind of things these real edge cases and nintendo yeah. usually will test for these edge cases just to ensure that you know it's, it's not going to break they're, they're really on that quality and yeah. they're really yeah. in depth i think that the like the um the qa stuff that came back from that process was amazing like the amount of testing and like just cases and like mm. you know weird weird stuff that like you wouldn't have picked up like unless you'd done huge amounts of testing that came back from that process was really helpful so it's actually useful to lean on that as a almost as a qa yeah instead of qa yeah. yourself internally 
Ashley Ringrose mm. SMG Studios, which is a good episode if people are doing this kind of thing to listen to when they were doing um, uh, moving, moving out. out. Yeah, and he was saying like, there's like tests you have to do, like what you're saying with the controller, switch the controllers over and then like press pause and leave it running yeah. for 10 hours and yeah. does it crash? And if it crashes, oh, wow. they'll do that. They'll leave the game running for weeks and if it doesn't, these well, I don't know about cases. weeks, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> there's actually a really funny story. This is going to, Sidetrack, but how's this for a good UX? Um, not UX, but a testing, user testing kind of bug thing. And this is this goes from the old days before there's patch updates. So Donkey Kong 64, right? Epic game, awesome game. We love it. Not epic mm. game, as in epic game. Epic game, <laughs> good game. Um, so if who did any of you have it on the N64? Ah, oh, okay. So Costa's nodding. You had the it. Bug. Are you talking about that bug? Yes, I love this bug so much. Okay, so this is a cool story to look up for anyone doing game testing. Just wants to know the history of this kind of, of game testing and stuff. So um, there's a bug in Donkey Kong 64 that if you leave it paused for, I think it's like a week, it runs out of memory. There's a slow memory leak in that game. I think it's if you just leave the game running for like a week or a few days, it's going to crash. So what they had to do, so the whole Nintendo expansion pack that came out, the N64, the little red thing that you pop into it mm. they did this marketing plug where they were like oh it's to boost the graphics to do, to do all this and do that all it did was provide more memory to buy them more time for that bug inside so every copy of donkey kong 64 had to ship with this expansion pack and it ended up i think costing them the profits they were expecting to make over the summer because it was going to be a summer release oh, game no. but you couldn't patch it so like they'd have to wait till the next version so Every game had to ship with this expansion pack that they said it was to help the graphics um, because hackers have played it and um, emulated it and it runs fine without the expansion pack. It's just to add more memory. So in case you leave your game paused for like a week, it won't crash. For a week? I so think it's a week. The, it's something so Nintendo ridiculous. were worried that all these people were going to leave the game paused for a week. <laughs> was, it yeah. a week? was it a week? Or was Electricity it just... prices were much cheaper. <laughs> yeah. <than Nintendo>. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you this think- is why the Switch is now like, yeah, you can put it to sleep at any yeah. time for a week yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it won't yeah. crash. <laughs> yeah. right, they, had to, they had to, yeah, all it did was expand the RAM, wasn't it? That was it, yeah. just gave it more memory so that it wouldn't run out and just And it, it was marketing's idea to be like, we got to say it makes more explosions, more colors, more of this stuff, because they're like, how do we justify telling people that they... Yeah, right. So how's that would have had a higher price, right? It's like blast processing all over again. Yeah, blast, hey. pro- yeah, blast <laughs> yeah. processing. Seeger's... Uh, on the Genesis, was it? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Tom well, right. for, for, for our yeah. audience, can you elaborate what's blast processing? Uh, marketing fluff. Yeah, marketing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's coming from a uh, marketing, marketing guy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Direct from IndieXP. Oh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I actually, I got the expansion pack when I was, uh, when I bought Majora's Mask, Legend of Zelda, because yeah. you, you had to use it to play that. So you, they could use the uh, clock system. The clock, it. yeah. The three-day system. That's it. Or so they say. Well, yeah, well, originally, <laughs> so originally Majora's Mask was meant to be a seven-day system. Um, and if you turn off the, the N64, the clock would still be running. So you had seven real days to do it. Mm. But they were like, this is way too stressful. So that's why the Song of Time makes no sense in that game, that that would reverse time. That's like a shoe-in at the end. Wait, would you, the clock's still running even with the Nintendo off? So yeah. there's some component that's still actually running in there's there. A there's a battery. There's an internal timer like on the, oh, right. by the battery. And then the battery like runs out and you can just never play the game again. 
basically yeah yeah it's like the old old game boy games like this if, if everyone has a you know a game boy cartridge from 30 years ago and you haven't well, hopefully the battery hasn't run dead but if that battery runs yeah. dead you're gonna lose all your save files and stuff uh, yeah it's like sucks. pokemon gold and silver i'm pretty sure that's the first ones that they did that with and yeah when uh, i go yeah. back to my old gold cartridge it doesn't save no. uh, and you get that little message where it's like the internal batteries run dry <laughs> I don't think so. Actually, I think it just does not save. So, like, you do the, you go through okay. the save process and then you turn it off, oh, turn it back on, and the, and the it's save file's gone. That message is yeah, in my movie right. in Sapphire. It's uh, yeah, memory. Ah, oh, it is. Sorry, yeah, internal battery is run dry. It's from Sapphire. <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks. There you go. Oh wow. <laughs> Okay. I did want to um, think about like this article that you mentioned, um, like, and strictly from a PR perspective, like, it's, it's actually very curious as to you know which console, like, what kind of strategy you want to go for first. I mean, mm. old school, yes, you probably would want to go with the you know every single platform as best as possible. But I'm actually thinking of from like from my perspective and from like a strictly PR perspective, mm. it might actually pay to do like the PC first that way you get and I think you were saying before that way you get your initial launch down and that way you can you know figure out bugs and all that but I'm also thinking like every time you release on a new on a new platform you get to do another marketing campaign mm. for it that's ah. true Point, so you get yeah. to push for like, oh, now it's launched on a Nintendo Switch. So you send out all your all your you know, emails and do all your campaigns on that, and then you know later Xbox and mm. maybe by then it's had reviews. So then you can you know have like an award section where like you know recognition. Then you can use that to to drum up hype for later releases down the line. Um, yeah. and that might also help as well for ongoing revenue for the company, so mm. they can continue to experience revenue than experience um, yeah. spikes in revenue when they release on new platforms mm. and that's a good point and it doesn't have as much pressure and stress on them to do everything at once like like john you were saying trying to do your multi-testing all at once yeah i know and like i know other games successful games developed in south australia uh, <laughs> uh released you know on pc first and then went to switch later and they actually had to hire specific people for mm. like porting because mm. they I think because at that time they were working on their next game or whatever but then yeah it meant they could yeah. both develop the next game and then also port to popular platforms it's a good idea as well because just like you mentioned Alex of like vetting it you know in the articles is vetting it and kind of using that as like a bug testing it's also vetting it from a market perspective if it if it bombs you've only invested you know that certain amount of money to publish it on PC versus buying a dev kit for Xbox and all this kind of, you know, all this other mm. stuff. So it's good testing ground for that. Mm. Yeah. Do, do you guys think there's uh, still a place for studios who want to develop for specific consoles? Like, so I'm not, I'm not talking like, all right, you're not a Sony studio, but like, let's say you're an indie studio. Is there any strategic advantage to going, we're only going to develop for Switch or we're only going to develop for PlayStation? Get I, I think you have to do it if yeah. you're going for like if you're targeting that specific audience with u- utilizing one of their features so for example if you wanted to use motion controls or mm. or mm. touchscreen you know using the switch in handheld and utilizing something with that other than that no i don't think not that really would be, the other thing no. is though you like when you publish on is it apple arcade you you exclusively have to be on apple arcade i'm pretty sure right so I mean, I not as a months. Twelve months, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So it's so it's kind of like you might opt to do that. Maybe not as a studio indefinitely, but as a way for of, that period. Yeah, yeah. To to be able to get money in because obviously those companies pay you 
well, I don't know what the agreement is. No, nobody really knows, but you know, there's some some agreement there for you to uh, get funded or f- some funding uh, to publish on that specific platform. Yeah, in my time at, uh, well, I'm still there, but with Switchaboo, we went to PAX and you know, interviewed developers. And obviously, because we were Nintendo Switch Focus, we had to ask, is your game coming to Switch? And a lot oh, of them... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it was and, always. And if they say no, you just don't run the story. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of them, well, kind of, but a lot of them, <laughs> a lot of them would say we can't exactly say because yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of gray areas. But some yeah. of them would actually say, well, we don't know because there have been at, at the last packs there were Apple headhunters mm. um, going around and like testing out indie games and seeing which ones would be good for Apple Arcade, and right. they were off, mm. they were obviously offering you know packages of money and you know whatnot to put to have that exclusivity rights but then a few games that we saw there actually did launch an apple arcade first i think necro barista was one of them that specifically launched an apple arcade first and they were the one of the ones that were a little bit hesitant to confirm whether they were launching on switch or not and Uh, yeah I wonder if they uh, they have to kind of I mean they, they obviously can't release within the twelve month window but they can develop within that twelve month window after they've released if they're trying to port it to other um, I wonder yeah no one knows it's in the agreement isn't it yeah <laughs> you, most likely yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure you could but you probably couldn't announce it yeah. I'm guessing I think Kickstarters would be the hardest thing though if like if oh you're, yeah if you're definitely. promising platforms especially for stretch goals and then mm. you get a publishing deal or you know, in an exclusivity deal, do you have to turn that exclusivity deal down? Mm. Uh, well, surely the publisher yeah. would know that you've got their Kickstarter as like the starting point. Mm. There's also the, so they would have to take that into account. There's also yeah, sorry, be part isn't, of it. Isn't it certain publishers also just only publish games for certain? Like there might be a mobile developer publisher, or you know, and that might dictate where you launch as well, probably. Potentially, there's one publisher as well that. I always see have Kickstarter campaigns, so they would, you know, they would hire a developer for their get like and you know, publish their game. But every single game I've seen them publish has had a Kickstarter campaign. So I don't know where that lies. There is like, okay, we can publish your game, but you have to do a Kickstarter, and that seems quite odd to me. Mm. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't the publisher meant to give you the money? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> the marketing. The- yeah, so maybe the publisher helps with the Kickstarter, like in building that. Yeah. Interesting. interesting. I'm just going to say, I don't think they should call themselves a publisher. For that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe a, a Kickstarter professional or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a chauffeur being like, I'll drive you around, just bring your car. <laughs> oh, look, I got 5,000 Uber. Yeah. 5,000 Uber, I just don't have a car. Oh. <laughs> uh. All right, John, round us out. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> thought I would end off with the light one. Uh, we're talking about Roe versus Wade here. <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, no, look, I'm, I'm not bringing this up uh, to talk about any of the actual politics with Roe versus Wade, but obviously that's a huge you thing should. that's happened. You should, just to say it's <laughs> Well, actually, no, no, you, you know what? Actually, it's funny you should say that because what we're talking about is there's been a lot of game studios that have come mm. out and publicly... You, essentially denounced it. Um, I don't know if I've seen any that are pro, um, but <laughs> um, so I was reading an article on gamedeveloper.com um, and they were saying uh, that 
studios such as Insomniac, Bungie, Naughty Dog, Devolver Digital, Respawn Entertainment, Niantic, ArenaNet, PlayStation London Studio, Inner Sloth, who made Among Us, and Future Club, who made Skullgirls, I think it was, um, have all like published tweets and stuff essentially saying they're against it or saying that they're or using it as a, a chance to say that they're pro uh, like rights, essentially, pro-choice. Mm. Um, so I guess uh, the question here is, do you think it's a appropriate as a studio to comment on these things? And B, do you think it's expected in this day and age to comment on non-game development things like this? I think I've had... I'll I, I jump in with that because I've had discussions with someone about this recently, not about this thing, um, mm. just about other things about what your responsibilities are. So this might be different because of... It wasn't in regards to something like this, but this is how I would think. It's kind of like, it's your prerogative if you want to talk about it. Um, but I think it gets tricky if someone asks the company straight up because I think that yep. puts them in a corner. And, you know, I would think you'd want to... I mean, the, the person I was talking to was very much in, su in support of, like, not something like this, you know, like very how the rest of us would be thinking but didn't like the idea of kind of that, you know, like I'm a game developer, like why am I? And it was, again, I have to stress this, it wasn't to do with this topic, it was to do with like a lesser intense topic, but was kind of the idea of like why, like if you ask me, I'm gonna tell you honestly, and then I'm gonna get in, you know, in trouble basically. Like <laughs> my job is to make games kind of thing. Mm. Now, when it comes to this, I have no idea because this is huge and it's not something I really should comment on, you know? Yeah, so I'm, I'm not asking for anyone to comment mm. on this. Mind yeah. you, if you are, if you are going to comment on this, you would be doing exactly what these studios are doing, which is using yeah. our platform. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I guess the question is about, you know, this is a huge example, but, you know, there's been many examples in recent years, especially since Twitter's become huge and other social media platforms. There's almost, I feels like there's, becoming more of an expectation for yeah. companies to make a statement in some sense. Well, I mean, the expectation is like people expect some kind of, you know, stance because they, they relate to, you know, certain values and they expect yep. the company that they buy things from or interact with to have or share the same values. Otherwise, you know, and that, and that's very much how our, society is these days we you know resonate with what we the companies that we interact with so for sure i feel like they should but again it's up to the company um and i'm just adding to that because i saw an article it was an op-ed um from game developers or from the same author that that published that article who mentioned that there's actually a lot of game companies that have chosen silence or compliance okay um and i saw that company leaders like this Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan or executives at Electronic Arts have pushed back against employee requests to take a public stance. So they've actually so employees have actually told leadership that they want the company yeah. to have, you know, say something publicly and they've uh, mm. pushed back on it. And it says here that Ryan asked employees to respect differences of opinion on abortion and EA leadership's internal stance was that it would not be inclusive to decry such a decision. It would 
later partly res uh, reversed this, this stance, and it says Ryan would also follow up his request by attempting to lighten the mood by discussing his cat's birthday party and talking about his desire to get a dog. Wow. Yeah, it also says right. that. I think that's a whole other. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, read, yeah. read the room, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> and it says here that Reality Labs parent company Meta urges yep. employees not to discuss uh, abortion or Roe vs. Wade oh on the God. basis that it can still leave people feeling like they've been targeted based on their gender or religion. Yeah, yeah, right. That's... But, like, uh, I, like, you know, like, I know... Okay, I don't know if I'm talking in a place here, right? But like, if I work... always edit it out. Right, like, if, if I worked at a place and this was discussed and they said, we're not discussing this... Yeah. I'm a woman who's being targeted by this law. Yeah. You yeah. said, like, like, that automatically makes me go, okay, like... You want me to shut up and get back in my lane and do what you said, yeah. right? Like yeah, that yeah, is a stance. That's right. That's right. That you are taking a stance. It's that you know. Remember that that phrase: you, if you don't take the side of the oppressed, you're taking the side of the oppressor, or whatever. Like silence. Mm. Yeah, and, and, I, and I know, I know, I'm asking the question here about like in general making statements on the kind of political things, but I do think to some extent you have to take each case on its own case as well because yeah. this is one that directly <laughs> yeah your it's like a huge one yeah. just just to add to that as well uh it says here that texas is a major hub for for the united states video game industry uh and it says as of late 2021 an estimated 270 game companies employ over 20,000 workers in the state should any of those employees require an abortion they will be required to travel across state lines to obtain it now because of this rule so it does directly affect employees um as part of these companies and it does say that some companies like ea sony um bungie certain affinity and more have either publicly or privately indicated their intent to financially employ uh, support employees who seek such travel as well so yeah i mean it does it affects directly people in those states Probably a pessimistic approach would be, I guess, when I think it's like, even if the company had a public opinion, would I believe it? Or would I think they're just mm. doing what the majority thinks? Because if I could make an example, I'm pretty sure it's, it's Pride Month, and then everyone's got the, the rainbow icons. There was like an Instagram yep. post where it was like, these companies all have rainbow icons, and then like the next yep. image was they all uh, donated to uh, Congress or people who yep. actively try to you know, get rid of all the you know, pro-gay laws and stuff like that, or they try to do the things correctly against what they're pretending to support. So even yep. if they were saying that they were, uh, you know, supporting this issue, would they actually be doing that behind the scenes or would they be putting their money? Yeah, them? or is it just yeah. a pretty marketing exercise? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. The, the big one I saw recently was uh, Harry Potter and Wizarding World. Um, I've seen this in a few places where people were talking about how uh and i'm looking at it right now wizardingworld.com uh, is talking about you know uh harry potter and the cursed child to host uh, special house pride performances in london and i saw like the uh um like the harry potter whatever one of the um shops there are in london they had like all the rainbow flags and stuff all over it and people were talking about how you know the company is kind of talking about pride and uh, kind of pushing this but you know jk rowling's obviously known for 
some of her views going against some of the pride values as well and so you have this kind of like the artist at the core of it is saying one thing and you feel like the company is saying the opposite thing and it kind of like yeah. destroys the whole message then i think yeah um, well like disney like the message of like all of disney's movies being like you can be whatever you want to be you don't have to be you know like now they've changed it from like the cinderellas and stuff where you're born into it and they're like you choose your own thing unless you fit xyz you can be anything you want but but not that yeah, but not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got to look yeah. like us. Yeah, yeah, because they, they've they've obviously there's been heaps of issues with censoring and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, did you see that stuff Alex Hirsch posted about Gravity Falls? Yeah, I did. Oh yeah, was that? That was hilarious. <laughs> it's uh, Ali, the design. Oh, Susie, you want to talk no, about? It? No, you, you go. It? Yeah, you go. Uh, uh, look, I've only seen it because I recently joined Tumblr and it's all over that. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so Gravity Falls, if you've ever seen it, is a cartoon uh, kind of in the vein of uh, Adventure Time. Uh, it's awesome. Different. It's um, But the creator, uh, is it Alex Hirsch? Is that how you say Yeah. It? Yeah. Um, I, think, I think the show s- uh, stopped running a number of years ago, but it's like the 10-year anniversary of it. Um, and so on Twitter, he was talking about like all the great things about the show and like everything that was great. And he said, then to end it off, I got to show you some of the stupidest uh, requests I got from Disney to kind of like axe things in the show. Um, and it was all sorts of stuff, like from you know, you go, all right, look, I can see they want to try and be like family values, kind of conservative kind of thing. To like one of them was, um, can you please remove the person in the big teddy bear suit because it's too close to the furry fetish and we're worried that it's like it's stuff like that where like they're like really reading into it and going like we're really worried about yeah. these real stretch things so it's, yeah. it's kind of like going overboard to you know yeah. not if, like because they don't want any con- any yeah. controversy and they don't, yeah. they don't it's almost more like they really don't want to be seen to be endorsing certain things that they're definitely not endorsing so yeah. and, it, and it's interesting because it always like because it has at the end of the day and this is coming back to you don't understand what their true intentions are because it has monetary value yeah. attached to it like when when they choose not to censor something uh mm. or sorry when they when they choose to censor something they when they choose not to censor something it means that they can't launch in a certain market which is going to give them a lot of money like when they censor yeah. they they censor their movies uh, so that they can fit the the laws of like or the the standards in china or in yeah, other right. countries as well and that that means that they can launch in those countries which means they can get a bunch of money from those movies so yeah. it's like the the uh give and take give and take it's it's yeah it's it's tough i would say it's really tough but you know if they it's interesting because the, the backlash they're getting now where they're choosing you know where they were choosing to censor certain things because of monetary i mean that's that's always been happening you know with with swearing and that kind of stuff in movies um and all this sort of stuff but now where really people resonate with the value of or like the values of the the company that they're you know kicking up a fuss and saying that you should stick by what you what you put out and not censor it yeah and I think just to bring this back to the, uh, what we're talking about, I think in some ways um, looking at kind of the business risk that comes with putting out such strong views one way or the other, I think we it's almost like we've got to be careful not to expect it from companies because then I think we stop appreciating just like how much of a risk they are taking by mm. 
publishing these tweets mm -hmm. and so like actually really appreciating like if we if we agree with the values yeah. then actually really appreciating that they're taking a substantial risk to actually say that yeah. we support this cause mm. because these people don't have that like game companies don't have to cater to everyone you know what i mean if they stand yeah. for something they're gonna they're gonna get people rallying behind them who also stand for the same thing it's not like from a business perspective you know it's not like you when you make a game you're not trying to please everyone you're not trying there's the you know your audience isn't everyone you you make a game for a certain kind of audience or for people who resonate in the same way that you do so mm. yeah when I think about this, though, like if, a, if an entire company says it, if it's a large business, do they survey each and every employee? Yeah. Like, yeah. And does it have to be 100% to be able to, like 100% yay or nay to be able to say that they support mm. this? Because what if you work at a company and they say, we support this, and you're like, well, my view doesn't align with yeah, that. Yeah, do you have to leave? <laughs> like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you would probably have people wanting to leave. That's the thing is, and that's also yeah. part of the risk, I guess. I think that's what's happened that... recently with Tesla and stuff like that. Tesla, yeah. um, Spotify, every five seconds. Um, <laughs> like, they, so, I mean, I guess Spotify, they don't really ask in that sense, you know, because they're always at odds with a podcast that's come out or, um, you know, Tesla not respecting workers as human beings basically and yeah netflix that happened in netflix, netflix as well yeah yeah mm. but that, and that's when it comes down to the employee if you don't want to stand for it if you don't stand for it then yeah. you can leave so uh, with with this right with your question game developers because that's such a broad thing right what you're saying is yeah. it appropriate or expected to so if you're what do you do you think that the obligation changes if it's sony i think you mentioned let's say or if you're a three-person studio in Adelaide, like what, mm. like what, like I mean, I like what, like I think I think the thing is the ex, the appropriate or even expected is what you have in the that, that you said. Yep. Um, I guess that's a question. Is like, does that change based on that? Like, I guess it's easier, as you said, if you're easier if it's a smaller company, you can just say that. I think when it's with this one, it's like such a it's like a human rights thing, right? So it'd be like weird to yep. not be kind of for it in a way. But um, uh, no, no, that's not what I meant for it. You know what I mean? Like to be against it, I should say. Um, it would be weird. But then when it's um, like, w at what point do you not comment on something? Like, uh, like when does it become, I think Costa is saying as well, like when does it become like insensitive, not insensitive, insincere, because it's like okay, well, yeah, what are you right. doing about it? Like, like, like with the um, right. the Ukraine, just saying like, I stand with Ukraine, yeah. and then it was kind of like, okay, are this you donating money? Yeah. Like, is when is it? What, what, what does that even mean? Right? Yeah. 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 Or like, a hundred likes equals Russia leaves Ukraine. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I, it it totally yeah. It's it's one of those things when it all happens at the same time. I think that's where. It, loses its value and, and, and when you see the same wording as well across a lot of things and, and to me there's something about the idea that this rule got this law basically got overturned I, I know I'm getting the terminology wrong um, but you know like this was obviously a thing in the past that you couldn't get the get an abortion and then it got overturned but that wasn't through any social media that was through anything that was through lawmaking it did so then that makes me go, then what does all our yelling and screaming about a particular topic, how much power does it actually have if in the days, in the age of social media, it got overturned when this is the time when it could be the most effective and yet without social media, 
they got you know rid of the law that said you couldn't have that. Like, it only works in the inverse way. You have people who can uh, lobby against it and are very loud on social media. That's a good point. Yeah. If you had a studio come out before it was overturned, though, like somewhere along the process, yeah, and said we're against this. Yeah. Um, back before it was major news headlines, Did I think that, that would be. Do we know? It, like, it may. I mean, I definitely heard about it from uh, like not game studios. It may have happened. I'm not actually sure. Um, but like, if 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 a studio, any company, but for this case, if we said a studio came out before it was like huge in the news, I think that would send a stronger message because you're. You're definitely not just doing kind of like the current popular yeah. trend kind of thing. You're um, when you think you're, you're basically saying this is meaningful enough to our company to actually like publicly share what we think is the right uh, opinion here, even though it's not you know just the current trending Twitter topic. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah, like because you know there was sincere because there was nothing. Yeah. It, so, yeah. yeah. So, so it, it, I think it shows the company is actually doing it for the values and not for the marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. 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 But even still, like it's a company, right? Like all it has is influence. Like it's not a person. It's not going to sit down at dinner with you and have a chat. Like so, you, you know, yeah, you, don't, you don't have to spend your time with it. So you don't really care what the company thinks. What you care about is what the people who work for the company and the people who buy that company's products think. Yep. Right. Yeah, so that's on, true. on some level, like I guess, like we we do live in a capitalist society, right? So companies do have influence. Mm. So it goes back to Costa's original question: like, what responsibility does said impact or influence? Yep. Yeah. Like, what great power! Like, what would Uncle Ben say, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny you should mention him. Here he is now, coming into the gap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one, and just adding to like Alex talking about how you know with large companies, I guess with large companies you also just have a bunch more you know shareholders and that kind of stuff as well, which like. It's more, it's more a risk to come out and say things politically if you, if it also then financially has any like again, and this is all again thinking of it from the lens of a business thing, saying it, it might have an impact on your share price and that kind of stuff as a publicly traded company. It might have the inverse effect of yeah. you, of, of you getting you gaining support, but, but but it shouldn't be driven by that financial just fine, yeah. pure finance. Like you should have some kind of. But it's always going to be if it's a company. For. Right, like because that's true. yeah, true. But then but, also, it's like it's kind of like when companies, you know, some some companies have ethics and standards when it comes to say producing things. You know, they're not going to go yeah. and pay, uh, you know, sweatshop labor um, and that kind of stuff. They, they'll actively not do that. And and yeah. customers who align with that those kind of values go to those kind of companies because they have ethics in place. Mm. Yeah. And I think too, like like. That's really important, and there is a difference between human rights and politics, right? Like, because like yeah. some things are a question of human rights, and then some things are like, which guy do you want to be president? They're all the same. Like, like you know, like like you, so you can't just like like you know uh, say we're not getting into politics because some things they're 
beyond that, they're above that, right? Like, like war, like like war mm. in Ukraine. Like you can't just say that's a politics thing because it's it's mm. a human rights issue. This is a human rights issue. That's that's bigger than than politics, right? Mm. Yeah. So is there more responsibility there? Like. Does it matter how big the issue is? Does it matter how many people it impacts? Does it, like... I guess it's... Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, it's how affected... You know, if if the if you're the, say, owner of your, you know, games company and you are personally affected and you feel very strongly about it, then you'll say something mm. versus other people who may not feel so strongly about it. Yeah. And that's and interesting, I, again, because that puts you in this position where, like... Um, you if you're a if you're the ceo of a games company like you've got this privilege right so you're less likely to be impacted by these things that affect minorities yeah right adding more complexity here yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, might, you might not be you know the the person that's uh, yeah in the chair of making these calls yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, a CEO is always tied by the the board and that kind of stuff. So, y- you might want to come out and say something, but your board won't allow you to, or will you know negatively look at you saying that. So it does put. I'm not saying that you know these. You should feel sorry for them, but you know it puts them in a tricky situation to to try to come out and say something like that. It would have to take some level of. Uh, agreement across a bunch of different people at especially in those big companies so maybe it does take time to to come out and say this but that's a reflection on the company isn't it and how much they care about it yeah Um, and i feel like when it's a huge human rights thing a company should be like okay we're going to announce a statement and if people on the board are like we don't want to do that like well then you're probably not the kind of person who should mm, be on a board that is a company that is full of people like yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) The other thing is, ha, this is like controversial. Have there been companies in the opposite way, like supporting yeah, the, supporting really the other, see, supporting mm. the other way that have come, like I, I, I haven't seen or heard anything about that. But I wonder if, yeah, to be honest, they'd be they'd be crucified. You know, they like as in like if they're in. I doubt. Yeah, and, I doubt they would because like they know that like you know like say with problem. this thing the yeah. U.S. did that survey and way more than half of people were agree. Like you know didn't want the repeal to happen. Yeah. So like you, it sounds like from a marketing perspective you wouldn't say anything because yeah. like yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. significant portion of your potential customers there. Yeah. That's I do want. I'm trying to find it because I think it's an interesting point because I think. It's very easy to say, like, most people think this way. But that's kind of like, if you look at the 2016 US elections, it's like, I think, uh, like, pr- the progressive, uh, let's say, left-leaning views were kind of shared through, like, the mass media that we hear mm-hmm. mostly. And so I think a lot of, not all, obviously, but a lot of Australians were like, oh, yeah, of course Trump won't get in, for example. But that's because we were only hearing that one side of that, like one half of the country, or the, yeah. Whereas there is definitely like a whole other side as well that yeah. you don't necessarily hear hear from as much. Yeah. So, if there are companies out there that are for it, or I mean, maybe now is not the right time for them to post something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it's uh, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point that the idea that the our version of the internet is skewed in one direction. So you're just like 
how is everyone not agreeing with this or something like that? Because we're only the algorithms only giving us what we think. You know? yeah, yeah, it's like I don't know about you, but I don't hang out on 4chan anymore, right? So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like I don't. I know this is tangential, but I don't know if you guys have ever used. There's a site called Ground News where it actually goes through. It's like American based, unfortunately, but it's a good like exercise. It goes through all the current major articles from like left leaning right-leaning and central news outlets and actually shows what percentage of news outlets from each side actually showed it mm. or sh shared it. And so you could find some news articles on there that you can see very clearly were only shown by, only shared by left-leaning outlets or right-leaning mm. outlets. Some were across the board, uh, but then some, uh, it actually shows you the difference in language they use as well. So, um, you know, in certain cases, one side will say, you know, this person's victim, and the other side will word it in a way where it's like they're kind of pretending. Yeah. And it's actually so. This is called ground ground news. Um, but yeah, it's I found it uh, really useful. Subscribe to the newsletter because it's. Um, I'm generally more left leaning myself, but I, I find it's really helpful to kind of get that perspective of there are stories that you don't hear from your site. Yeah. So. The, the other thing with this is also like game developers. I've probably I'm making an assumption they're probably left more left leaning. Probably. I'm making probably if it's if it's similar if it's similar to like the movie industry kind of thing. Yeah, like creative, it's, like the you know that kind of. Yeah, I'm, I'm making assumptions, but yeah. Well, it's like how like uh, Hollywood and Las Vegas are. Oh, sorry, not Las Vegas. Yeah, like Hollywood, for example, is on. It's in one of the coasts, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, the West US. Coast. West Coast, which is generally more like progressive left leaning. And so we have all these movies come out that kind of have more kind of uh, left-leaning values because that's where they get made kind mm. of thing. Yeah. And then it appears that that's the whole story, but, you know. Well, and, and then again saying that, you know, like in that article, there's so many people in Texas that are in, which is uh, traditionally conservative, um, mm. who are, yeah, game developers. It was 25,000 or 20,000 people, 275 companies. Like, that's... Wow. Yeah, that is a lot. That's a lot. And those are all people that would now be affected by this. And so maybe that's an interesting point, is that game studios do actually come from a lot uh, greater diversity of places. Mm. But so, who are the most vocal? That's the other thing. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, we should probably... We've almost hit two hours. We should probably wrap this up, but... Uh, <laughs> Before we go, though, uh, we need to come up with a question for our audience for the next fortnight. Uh, yes. Maybe we, we should go to uh, Adrian and Alex, new Alex first. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have any ideas, anything you've heard on this episode uh, that we should ask people? I mean... For those listening, they're I just thinking. One. Yeah. But I think if yeah. Alex wants to go first, he can go first. Oh, no, please go first. I was say, talking about the, gamma, the gamification of everything, is there any particular outlet in your life or something like that that you would think would, would cater well towards gamification? And if so, how? Yeah. Mm. yeah. I like that. That's great. Yeah. Alex? And if you're, I mean, from a marketing perspective, if you're, like, for game developers, what has been the most successful marketing attempts that you've made? And why do you think that was? Oh, or that you've seen, like, worldwide, right? Mm. Yeah, that's true. I love bees. <laughs> what? Uh, the it's, movie? You should look it up. I, I'm not going to tell you too much. Just Halo and I love bees. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, if you just search I love bees, it comes up straight away. Does it? Awesome. Yep. Okay. Check that out. Uh, was, uh, interesting. No. Didn't we'll even talk have about to that. Incognito window for this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, those are two awesome. Yeah, let's, do, let's run both. Let's run both polls yeah. of. Uh, um, yeah, what, so it was uh, what mechanic would you want to see gamified? What aspect of your life do you, want to, see your life do you want to see gamified? And what's been a successful marketing campaign or a cool marketing campaign that you've run or you've seen someone else run? That's Sounds awesome. great. And then we'll discuss that on our next episode. So yeah. here we go. One minute, uh, one minute, one hour 58. <laughs> <laughs> Almost there. Thanks for joining us today, guys. We've got our special guests, Alex Harding, Adrian, um, and us regulars, Costa, Alex, uh, old Alex, and Susie Emery, <laughs> and me. myself, John. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. See you. Sure. Take us out with the music, Costa. That's my line. <laughs> <laughs>